Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor and it's a joy to be with you all today. If you're joining us online, I want to say a special word of welcome. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by helping you connect to the life-changing love, life-renewing love of Jesus and also to being deeply uh, concerned for other folks. And that's my hope for you today is that you feel that connection to God and feel that connection to other people. Right now, I want to say a word of prayer and ask, uh, hope that prayer that God is blessed as we worship God and also that our hearts are open. Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for this day. I pray that as your church worships you, uh, as we are, are, are gathered in this space, and, and also as, as we have others who are joining us across, uh, across even time and, and location, I ask that you are blessed. I pray that you are blessed. But I also ask, O oh God, that you open the hearts of your people so that, so that your people can, can hear a word that they need today, to, to focus and to, to grow closer to you, not just in word, but also through faithful action. And give this all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. For the past few weeks, we've been a part of a, a message series called I Doubt That, a syllabus for dealing with doubt. And we thinking about syllabus that may take you back to school at the time when you, when you were saying, this is how you're going to be judged. This is how you're going to be graded. These are the things that are important this year. And, and so as, as we have been looking at doubt and the, the reasons behind doubt and how people doubt and, and what doubt means in life and in faith and in church... We have been looking at it from a few different angles. We've been looking at, at what causes doubt and why people leave and, 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 and what really how people, people struggle. And, and this week, um, I want to look at one of the biggest problems, the biggest problems that people have in, with the church. And it's this belief that, and I know you've never had this belief, right? It's the belief that the church or churches are full of judgmental, narrow-minded hypocrites. Okay, I guess I can leave now. There you go. Uh, but but, but the, this is a belief. That in fact, the number one driver of religious doubt in society today is, has to do nothing with, with, um, with the Bible. It doesn't have anything to do with what people think about faith, or, or it doesn't have anything to do with science. And, and instead, it has to do with the hypocrisy of religious people. Religious people, people who claim to follow the way of Jesus and then have lives that don't line up in the same way. There are so many people who doubt God or doubt that the church community can have any meaningful impact in their lives because of Christians who claim one thing but then act another way altogether. And maybe this is something you have witnessed. Someone who, who posts Bible verses on social media all the time, but then also posts mean and hateful things about immigrants and people who disagree with them. Or, or maybe many so-called Christian businesses. That's always interesting. Now, if somebody's got a business that you advertise as being Christian, um, I'm sure this doesn't apply to you. But I always wonder why somebody needs to put Christian in front of their business, like as an, as an advertising marker. But so many, you know, so-called Christian businesses who refuse to pay their workers a reasonable wage and at the same time take advantage of their elderly clients. 
Or maybe the pastor that you looked up to one time, but then come to find out that this pastor was living a, a, a double life behind the scenes. You know, the sad thing is, is that when so many people think about Christian faith and, and think about the church, this is what they think about. This is what they think about. People think about church scandals where, where prominent Christian leaders have been exposed for leading double lives. Many point to the Catholic Church and the abuse scandals with priests that were not only terrible, but that were also covered up. And this goes back decades and decades. And other point to, to judgmental beliefs or judgmental beliefs that, uh, uh, of people who claim to be Christians. And, and then they go on and judge other people. Or others think about how, how many Christians will seem to, to support a political candidate who seems to, to live a life that is completely antithetical to the way of, of Jesus. Another pastor, a guy by the name of, of Craig Groeschel, he, he helped develop some of the ideas behind this message, but he summed this up, and I think in a, in a great way. He said, if Jesus came full of grace and truth, so if Jesus came full of grace and truth, why do so many Christians seem full of hate and lies? If Jesus came full of grace and truth, why do so many Christians seem full of hate and lies? And then he shared a piercing quote from one of my favorite Christian writers, a guy by the name of Brennan Manning. And Manning wrote that the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny them, deny Jesus with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Why would you say you believe in Jesus with your lips, but then walk out the door and completely deny Him with your lifestyle? That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And to make this even worse... For so many years, the church has tried to cover this up. And when I say the church, I don't mean just the Catholic church abuse scandals. I mean, you know, mostly we have, uh, you know, mostly powerful, mostly male pastors who, who denied that they've done anything wrong when they're confronted by accusations. The Catholic church hierarchy who hid abuse People who abused others, especially abused children. To normal, everyday folks that participate in worship on Sunday but do not live lives that look like the type of life that Jesus talks about the rest of the week. And it's not just a, a perception problem either. It's really not just a perception problem. The hypocrisy of religious people is a real problem. And it may surprise you or it may not surprise you, but Jesus had a thing or two to say about hypocrites, to say about hypocrisy. During the time of Jesus, the term hypocrite, it's a very specific term, but during the time of Jesus, the term hip, hypocrite had a very specific context. In fact, the term hypocrite comes from theater in, in ancient Greece. 
Uh, It comes from the context of theater and putting on plays. And in this context, a hypocrite meant an actor or a stage player. And what would happen at this time is that that actors who were on a stage would would wear masks. And these different, they would wear different masks. And then when they put on a different mask, they would play a different persona. And so they would have different masks to assume different and various roles that they would play on stage. And this concept of of acting and portraying different personas is at the heart of the term hypocrite. And then Jesus came, and Jesus used this word that that was involved with theater, involved with putting on a, a show. Jesus used this theater term to talk about religious people. To talk about religious people who were more interested in outward displays of faith than they were than they were in really living their faith on a daily basis. And here are some of the things that Jesus had to say about people who, who, who like to appear to live faithful lives, but in their hearts and in their actions, they don't really hold up. And all these were written down by one of Jesus' closest followers, a guy by the name of Matthew. And, and he records some of these when Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 23. And so in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is teaching, and, and Matthew says that, that Jesus starts to talk about people who are, who are pretending to be religious, people who are pretending to be faithful. And this is what Jesus has to say to them. How terrible it will be for you, legal experts and Pharisees. So legal experts and Pharisees, Pharisees were religious teachers. These are people who know, who know religious life and are responsible for teaching the religious life. And, and he says, you give God a tenth of mint and dill and cumin, but you forget about the important matters of law and justice, peace and faith. You ought to give a tenth, but without forgetting about those more important matters. So Jesus says, some of you, even your generous and in your generosity, you give in a way that is showy, but, but what I really want is for you to give, but also for you to live a life of faith. So it's not just something that you do on the outside, but it's something that is done in your heart, that, that, that lives out in your heart, lives out in your daily life. And then a couple verses down from there, Jesus again uh, directs these same people with this exact same line. He says, How terrible it will be for you legal experts and Pharisees. Hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside are full of violence and pleasure-seeking. It's like, you, you clean the outside. You make that, it's that, uh, that saying that we have in English, you know, putting lipstick on a pig, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, like putting a, a veneer on something, but the inside is rotten to the core. It, it's, it's like when, when your kids, or my kids, I shouldn't talk about them, but, but, but wash the dishes, and, and the tops of them look really nice, but they've been stacked dirty, one on top of each other, so they set them out to dry, and then there's grease on the bottom of the dish, right? You know, it, it's just a partially thing done. It, they look nice on the outside, but the inside is rotten. And, and then, just two verses down from that, and Matthew Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. And this one, I think, is just really piercing. He says, how terrible, same thing, how terrible it will be for you legal experts and Pharisees. You hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs. Told anybody they're like a tomb? You're like a gravestone. You're like a grave. That's a really nice compliment. But, but Jesus says, you are like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside. But inside, they're full of dead bones and filth. 
look beautiful. You try to appear beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of filth. Jesus gives then other examples of religious people being hypocrites. People who pray in a way to, uh, to, to impress other people, but not to be heard by God. People who, who fast to impress other people, but really not fast to, to grow closer to God. People who, who pretend to be generous, but then go behind their backs and, 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 and take advantage of the poor and the widows. And every single time, Jesus condemns. Every single time, Jesus condemns the hypocrites. Jesus condemns the hypocrisy he is calling out the show. And this is, this is key here. Every time Jesus condemns what is going on, every time he does this, he is calling out the show because Jesus doesn't damn the sinners. He condemns the pretenders. Jesus calls out the show, the, the putting on the mask, the, the trying to pretend thing. He doesn't condemn the sinners. From the outside looking in, it might look like everyone who, who appears to live a hypocritical life in the church is the same. It's easy to paint with a broad brush and say the church is full of people who are judgmental, arrogant, self-righteous, and hypocrites. And it would be, you know, maybe liberating for somebody to get up here and tell you a bunch of judgmental, arrogant, hypocrites, all those kind of things. Um, uh, but that's not what I'm doing, right? Uh, but the thing is, I, I think the, 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 the fact of the matter is, even though it's easy to paint with a broad brush, that, that those who, who are, are usually considered hypocrites um, kind of fall into three different categories. I don't think everyone is of the same class when it comes to, when it comes to living a faithful life and, and, and not living up to the ways that you say you live up to. I think when it comes to Christians, or in sometimes maybe so-called Christians, who get it wrong, they really kind of fall into three different categories. The first category are, are people who claim to be Christians, or people who claim to follow Jesus, but they aren't really Christians, okay? These are people who say they're Christians, but their hearts haven't been converted. They're really not Christians. The early Christian leader, a guy by the name of James, wrote a teaching about this. And we find this teaching in the Bible. It's, it's a short letter. And tradition tells us that James was the brother of Jesus. So James probably knew a little bit of something about this topic. And, and in James chapter 2, verse 14, James says this. He writes this letter. My brothers and sisters... What good is it if people say they have faith, but do nothing to show it? Claiming to have faith can't save anyone. Imagine a brother or sister who is naked and never has enough food to eat. Next verse. What if you say to this person, go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal? You know, like, you know, somebody who, who comes to you, comes to worship, who, who, who is hungry, right? And you say, oh, it's nice to see you. Why don't you just go in peace, stay warm, have a nice meal, but not help them, help them out? What good is it if you don't actually give them what their body needs? In the same way, in the same way, in the same way, faith is dead when it doesn't result and faithful activity. Faith is dead when it doesn't result in faithful activity. The truth is, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. The truth is, believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. 
Voting a certain way doesn't make you a Christian. Celebrating Christmas for heaven's sakes doesn't make you a Christian. And now I'm not the one to judge someone's heart. But, but James says that if you claim to have faith, but your faith doesn't result in faithful living, then your faith is dead. It's not, it's not real. Okay, then the second group of people who, who let you down, of Christians who let you down, that are often considered hypocrites, the second group, I think, could be classified as a group of people who are Christians, um, but even though they are Christians, they're not yet mature in their faith. Maybe they are new to the faith and they don't know what faithful activity is. Maybe these are people who, who, are, who are brand new Christians. And by brand new, I don't mean that they are young necessarily in age, but they're young to the faith. Their faith is new or it's not well developed. And maybe they don't know what, jo- like what James says about living faithful activity and what that looks like. Maybe these are Christians who, who have a sincere faith, but they're not engaged in a church community that can help them and teach them how to become more and more faithful and how to follow more after the ways of Jesus in their life. It's like the teenager who you know is a good kid, but then they do something stupid, right? It's not that they're a bad kid all of a sudden. It's that they are a teenager and they've done something stupid. It's they don't know the consequences or sometimes it's not even that they don't know the consequences. They don't even know what's right and what's wrong. And this is why it's so important to be involved in a church community. This is why it's so important that you can't do faith on your own. Instead, it's so important to be involved with a spiritual group, a small group, a faith group, with other people for accountability and, and for spiritual growth. And then the third group of folks, of Christians who, who will let you down, I think there are some Christians, there are some folks who are Christians, and they are maturing in their faith. They're well on the ways to, to what Methodists like to call perfection. They're well on the way to, to, uh, to maturing in their faith, but they still mess up. I, don't, I, I know none of you fall into this category. None of you fall into the category of people who are well maturing in their faith, but still mess up. And, and it doesn't mean that these folks are hell-bound hypocrites, right? It, it just means that you and I are all vulnerable to sin. That each of us, no matter how far along we are on the journey towards Christ, we are all vulnerable to sin and to sin in our life, no matter how long you follow Jesus. And you know people who love Jesus, but then they lie. Or you know people who, who love Jesus, but then they're, they're, they're ugly to somebody. Or you even know someone who, who you know loves Jesus, but then they end up having an affair. And the thing is, the thing about this is, is that when you or when I fall into sin, or when you or I are the ones who messes up, you do this, or I do this, right? You know me. You know me. You know my heart. That wasn't me. The thing that I did wrong, that really wasn't me, right? That was the circumstances that I was in. Or that was those other people. They, they did that to me. That's why this happened. I, I, this is uncharacteristic of me. That's not me. You know my heart. When you are the one, or when I am the one that falls into sin, it's so easy to say, that's not me, that's not my heart. But it was a circumstance. But if it's someone else who falls short. 
If it's someone else who falls short, it's never because of their circumstance. It's always because of their character. If you cut someone off in traffic, you've got a good reason. But if someone else cuts you off in traffic, it's because they're a lousy, no good driver and that they... I don't know, or a terrible person. Like, you, you go straight to their character. Uh, you say, it, it, this person messed up. They sin because they're a bad person or a weak person. Or I was always, always knew that there was something fishy about them. Sound familiar? And now remember this term hypocrite. Remember this term hypocrite. It, it comes from the theater. Describing an actor who has worn a mask. Someone who, who is pretending to, pretending to be someone that they are not. And, and, and here's the thing, if you're honest with yourself, and, and there's no point in, in lying at this point, we have all felt the sting of hypocrisy. You have all felt the sting of hypocrisy. You, you've seen it on the face of people that you thought you knew. You've seen it in, in high places, and, and, and it's hurt you. You've seen it close to you. You have all felt the sting of hypocrisy and You've all worn its mask. There's no point in lying, I don't think. I think at some point, you've all felt the sting of hypocrisy, and you've all worn its mask. You have been on the receiving end of witnessing the hypocrisy of others, and if you're honest with yourself, and, and you really need to be honest with yourself and evaluate yourself, there are times when you have been the one wearing the mask of hypocrisy yourself. Not one of you is perfect. You lose your temper. You say things you shouldn't say. You are more critical of your spouse than you should be. You are more focused on being right than being loving at times. And the problem, the problem with the church, is the church would be a great place, but the church is made up of people. And people are screwed up. I mean, the church is made up of people and people are, are screwed up. And, and, and if you have been hurt in the church by Christians, if you doubt the relevance of church in your life, if you, if you doubt that church could have any meaningful impact in the world because of the hypocrisy of church people, I want you to know that I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. We don't always get it right. Church folks don't always get it right. Now, now, sometimes this happens in really big ways and we lament that. Sometimes this happens in more mundane ways. But it, but it all messes with folks. It all causes folks to doubt God and to doubt the relevance of, of a life of faith. So I apologize. I'm sorry. And if you're a follower of Jesus and trying to live that in your life, you would, I think it would serve you well to apologize for those times when we, as the church collective, have got it wrong, have messed up. But I also want to speak to those that are in this position, that are struggling with the relevance of the church and of faith. I want to encourage you, is that if you have lost faith in Jesus or lost faith in the church because of the because of the hypocrisy of others, I want to invite you to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus because Jesus is the one who called out the church folks. Jesus is the one who called out the church folks when they acted like hypocrites. Jesus is the one who called out the church folks 
when, when, when they abused power. Jesus is the one who, who called out the church when it took money from the poor to enrich its own power. And, and when Jesus lived, He didn't even spend that much time with church folks. He spent it with people who were lost and who were hurting and who were alone. So in light of this, what are you to do? In light of this, what are you to do? And I, I think the answer here is very simple, and it's found in James chapter 2. James, the brother of Jesus, in and, 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 and verse 18 of the second chapter of his letter, he says this, Someone might claim, you have faith and I have action. But how can I see your faith apart from your actions? Instead, I'll show you my faith. Instead, he says, I'll show you my faith by putting it into practice in faithful action. The answer is to live your faith authentically through faithful action. I mean, we have all felt the, the sting of hypocrisy and we have all worn its mask, but Jesus beckons you to deeper authenticity. Jesus beckons you to deeper authenticity. And whether you are someone who is struggling with, with whether you can participate in church or not, or, or whether you are someone who has is, who is struggled with wondering why, why, why so many have left the church, the invitation, I, I think, is the same. Deeper authenticity with Jesus. The facade of perfection and put-togetherness must be abandoned as, as Jesus invites you to deeper authenticity. The desire to, to play act being a follower of Jesus must be abandoned as Jesus beckons you to deeper authenticity. And when people mess up, when, when you mess up in small or large ways, you need to be honest. You need to be honest about it and ask for forgiveness. And if these failings are, are, are things that harm other people, and that's a really big problem, if these failings are, are things that harm other people, especially if these failings are, are perpetrated by, by Christian or so-called Christian leaders and they harm other people, they must be held accountable. As a side note, I want to say that, that honesty and even forgiveness does not negate accountability. Every action has, has consequences, and, and some consequences are good, and some consequences are not so good. Honesty and forgiveness does not erase the consequences. If someone has harmed you, they need to be held accountable, and they, they should be held accountable. And if you have harmed someone, if you have been a part of harming someone, you need to be held accountable too. I mean, this is part of maturing in faith and, 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 and living with honesty and, and deep authenticity. And Jesus beckons you to deep authenticity and faith and invites you to be honest, to be honest when you get it wrong, to ask for forgiveness, to apologize and to grow in community with others. We have all felt the sting of hypocrisy, and we have even all worn its mask, but Jesus beckons you to deeper, to deeper authenticity. A deeper authenticity that, that follows the same direction of James and, and lives your faith by putting it into faithful action. And here's the thing. When you do this, when we do this together, you and I create a more authentic church. You and I create a, a, a more honest church community, a deeper faith, and, and I think a, a space for people who are asking questions and, and exploring, exploring faith to hopefully, to hopefully have an authentic counter 
with Jesus and his followers. So whether you're on the receiving end of hypocrisy or even have lived it in your own life, know that Jesus invites you to deeper authenticity. And through that authenticity, through that honesty, I believe that God can open you up and can open us all up to a deeper faith, a more authentic Christian community that invites others to share, invites others to experience the life-renewing love of Jesus. So right now, what I want to do is I want to invite you to join me in just a time of prayer. A time of prayer. And as I do this, I'm just going to give kind of a time of silence for you to pray. And in your prayer, maybe you just ask for forgiveness in your own life for the times that you have not lived up to the calling of Jesus. Or, or, or maybe you, you, you want to pray for somebody who has let down, been let down by the church and doesn't know how to, how to find that authentic hope and community in their life anymore. Let us pray. Oh Lord, hear these prayers that we lift in silence to You. For the times when we've got it wrong, we pray, O oh God. Right now we put on our hearts those who have been harmed by the church. We name names in our hearts those who are hurting and need Your redeeming love. And for Your church, O oh God, that's joined in worship this day around the globe and continents and places far beyond this one space. I ask that You create in us a spirit of authenticity and honesty and faithful living that helps people to see You so that Your church may not be a stumbling block. Your church may invite those who are seeking and hoping to the great hope that You have for them in Jesus the Christ. I give You this, O oh God. Speak to our hearts. Amen. Dear ones, live a life after the God who does great things. Do great things in God's presence and live a life that is faithful, full of faithful action, authentic and deep. Go with the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.